0: Fleet Street was a village. Everybody knew everybody else. Every night was party night.
1: Fleet Street was a, a buzzing kind of place, you know, you can imagine, as 100,000 people work, 24 hours a day, really.
2: There was the, uh, the Daily Telegraph, the Daily Express, all that beautiful offices and a facade of uh, real places to be proud of, but behind that, they were just like factories.
3: Hello, and welcome to the Digital Works Oral History Podcast. This series is called Fleet Street Remembered, an oral history of London's print workers. London Primary School children interviewed print workers to document what life was like for printers, finishers, journalists, and readers in the heyday of newspaper production in Fleet Street. Episode one explores the reasons people chose to work in the print, their apprenticeships, and their early days in the many different jobs and tasks required to publish a newspaper.
0: In the part of London that I was brought up in, for working class boys, there was only two jobs. One was docking, and the other one was printing. These were the jobs where there was money. I was fortunate that my dad's best friend, who I always knew as Uncle, Uncle Ted, he owned a printer's. So when I became 15, my Uncle Ted
4: took me on as an apprentice for six years. My father was born in 1909 and had never really had a trade, and he'd had a very hard life. He was an ash felter as well, and where they all used to crowd round, calling for work in the morning, and workers was picked out. The governor used to stand up there and say, I'll have you, you, you. My dad was very small, and they used to pass him over, so he wasn't getting any work at all. Then he was determined that I should have a trade, and a proper trade, to earn a living. And I was guided that way by my parents.
5: And I had family within the printing industry, some of them were in the docks, some of them were in the print. So obviously being a woman at that point in time, you couldn't go in the docks, so I went in the printing industry.
1: You know, I wanted a job, and I got a job, I went into the print from the Dole. They sent me to a firm called Gestetners, which doesn't exist anymore. But they used to make duplicating machines, which also don't exist anymore. So that's the first job I had in the print, was working in Tottenham and Gestetners.
6: I'd always wanted to be a journalist, and I got lucky. I applied for jobs as a reporter and was taken on. Before I worked at The Sun, I worked at the Ilford Recorder as a reporter and then as a sub-editor.
7: I worked in public libraries, and I wanted to work in a newspaper library. So when a job came up for me to work in the Times on the index which I'd used in a public library I jumped at the chance so I responded to an advert in the newspaper
8: I was made redundant from an airplane engine company at 15 and the next option which was actually a better job as it turned out was the print to be a compositor the money was good that was the most important thing
9: I was uh, a diabetic by the time I was seven And I wanted to follow my father into his job at Covent Garden Market as a porter. But my doctor said, no, that's not advisable. It's too physical. And she knew a man who was the editor of the Observer newspaper. And they said, the job for you would be a printer's reader. So I started an apprenticeship as a
3: printer's reader in 1957.
4: I went into the firm, I was early, and I stood there and I didn't know what to do with myself. And along came a big man, a very big man, and his name was Jim Pretty. And he said to me, hello son, are you the new apprentice? I said, yes, oh, come and have a cup of tea. He said, we'll have a cup of tea before we start. So I followed him out into the white paper. and. About four blokes standing around a table, and I joined them, and a big mug of tea, a big pint mug of tea. Now, the tea was shared. The tea, the, cup, the mug of tea was passed from A to B to C to D. It was passed all round, and we all had a swig of tea. And that was our start in the mornings, every morning at work. We always had a cup of tea, but we always shared a big pint mug. We didn't have a cup each. We shared the mug, and it makes comradeship.
10: Uh, I was the youngest of about twenty apprentices, uh, which is a very difficult time when you're the youngest apprentice. You're the the butt of all the the jokes, the tricks, the humour, uh, and you remain that way until another apprentice comes in, who is then the junior apprentice, and you can then start playing the tricks on him. But it was a it was a very... I enjoyed it very much after the first year uh, and someone else became the junior apprentice.
0: Um, you get to do all the dog's bodies jobs. you make the tea, sweep the floor, um, you have pranks pulled on you that you don't know about at the time. Yeah, but it's once again, it's a growing up thing that you have to accept and you put exactly the same pranks on other apprentices when, they, when you're out at your time.
9: As an apprentice, you were very much the boy. So you're expected to do the work that other people didn't want to do. For example, my job in the reading room was to go and get work for the man with whom I worked. He was experienced, he was skilled, he was, he was long practice at the job. And as an apprentice, it was my job to watch what he did and to learn from him. I was apprenticed at 17 to a small press called the
11: Merivale Press that was based in Cowcross Street near Smithfield. That was for six years, and then apprenticeship, yes. And I went to day release education courses at print schools and things like that until I got my full technological certificate.
0: It was hard, and at times it was very, very hard. I was given a journeyman to oversee my work, who at times could be quite vicious. He was a big man and wasn't afraid to use his size to uh, put a a lippy 15, 16 and 17 year old into place. Um, I received many backhanders.
8: I started my apprenticeship during a national strike with the London Typographical Society and Natsopa and other unions in the print, which lasted for six weeks where all of the print was shut down in London and it was for the 40 hour week, which was eventually granted. I then went on to be properly apprenticed, day release at the London College of Printing. Basically, you were learning every day and you gradually got better. You were given more important jobs to do and you gradually progressed until you either took exams in the last year of your apprenticeship, uh, full tech and city and guilds, all those kind of things.
12: I think I was fortunate to be an apprentice or a learner. We girls didn't have apprenticeships, girls had learnerships. We were not highly regarded, we were women. So uh, you had a learnership and that was three years and then you got the full, not, you didn't get the full pay, you did a further two years experience before you got the full pay and that was women's pay, not men's pay.
5: I started work in a little company over Westminster. It was called Richard Madley and Son. And I went there and they offered me a three-year learnership. Because that's what the girls done at the time. I was 15 years of age and I'd done a three-year training until I was 18. Yeah, we all used to go out after work and um, we was all very, very good friends, actually.
4: I used to do the... I used to get the tea at break time go over to the cafe with a tray, come back with the tea with a couple of rolls that they might buy. And I used to get tips at the end of the week. They used to give me sixpence for looking after them through the week, getting their tea. And I used to run out, to. I used to buy go out and buy the cigarettes, and buy them cigarettes and I used to fetch them back, and they used to give me threepence or a cigarette, would you like one? And that's how I started smoking. They used to give you a cigarette.
11: I had to cycle to work because you couldn't afford to go by bus. Um, It was just enough money to see me down the week. Uh, My mother subsidised me with about two shillings a day.
12: But we were sent out on silly messages like, go for a long wait to the ironmongers. And you went in the ironmongers and said, I'm here for a long wait, and they'd leave you standing there. And you did have a long wait. For you suddenly realised that you were being teased, you know, and it was all a joke. It wasn't really a joke, it was darned annoying, but there you are.
11: The place was very, very old. The case racks were wooden, dusty, dirty, uh, and little mice like running over the cases at night and leaving deposits in
9: with the type, which was quite nice, really. You're all expected to know from the minute you sat down at 8am exactly what to do. And I think that's where the apprenticeship system worked extremely well. Because in my case, it was five years of intensive learning. So when you finished, if you didn't know then, you are never going to know.
11: Now my job, basically, is to set type, whether it be for a little business card, be it. pages and pages of booklets, various other things, and posters. And uh, we had a weekly price list, uh, because just behind us was Danish Bacon Company, and they had price changes every week, and that was the senior apprentice's job, to bring that up to date. Um, Yeah, I was quite proud to do that.
0: When you become recognised as an apprentice, which is generally in your last two years, that you can do a journeyman's job, your rates of pay go up quite significantly and that's when life started to get a wee bit easier.
8: And then after six years you became a journeyman and most importantly you went on to full wages. That was the best bit.
4: We we received our papers and came downstairs and as we came downstairs that's when the banging out started. they all grabbed any any piece of old metal that they could find, and a stick or whatever it was, and bang, 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 and it was, well, you went down, got your stuff, and then as you walked out the firm, and said, "Tada!" Banging out
0: was really just an excuse for a load of road men and boys to get very dirty, very mucky have a lot of fun, generally upset the local people because inevitably it ended up spilling out into the street.
10: Just before 12 o'clock the other apprentices come and get you and uh, they take your clothes off of you so all I had on was my swimming trunks and then they sat me on a a, a chair which they tied me to the chair and then lifted me up and put me inside a, a truck and then they tipped a, a dustbin full of rubbish over me, which was all liquids, uh, ink, tea, old tea slops and anything that was, would make a mess. Uh, tipped that over me, so I was all messed up. And then they push you around the department and everyone uh, bangs something to make a loud noise. And then I was put in the lift, still in the, the uh, truck, and taken to the machine room where they did the same in the machine room and then taken down into the warehouse to the ladies for them to have a good laugh. And then I was taken to um, Old Street roundabout and um, tied to a lamppost in the middle of the road and left there, so very exciting. Then when when the police took me back to the factory after a couple of hours, um, I cleaned up as much as I could and then had to thank everyone by taking them for a drink. (laughs) Exciting times, humiliating
1: times, but
10: part of the trade.
1: Well, what they do is, you know, they, you can argue about it, it's not very nice. You get smothered in glue and, uh, the printers got smothered in glue and paper shavings and God knows what and thrown about like, water poured over them and all this kind of stuff like, you know. You can argue it's pretty sort of primitive, like, you know.
9: It was customary for the man who finishes apprenticeship, or the boy in this case, to take all his friends for a drink. Uh, So what my father did was bought two bottles of whisky. So when I went back to work in the afternoon, I had a drink with each of the 21 readers in the reading room, by which time I was quite ill. Linotype, or hot metal machines, built in the
11: 1930s were used to assemble the blocks of print. On my first day I was introduced to a composing room and a case of type, which was very old, very dusty and very dirty. And I was given two composing sticks, which you may have seen or not. and a piece of copy and they said, set away to your heart's content. Now I didn't know much about it, of course, but they gave me a little instruction and I carried on and I produced miles and miles of this stuff over a couple of days and then I thought they'd forgotten me. And uh, they came up and I thought, oh, now I see what it looks like. It's horrible. (laughs) There was mistakes all the way through it and all sorts of things wrong.
2: And, and gradually they um, they introduced you to the type cases, and you had to find out where all the letters were in the case um, because they were spaced out in, in an unusual area. Um, and you gradually learnt the trade, and had to learn which typefaces. What they all had different names and different sizes, and you had to learn it all.
5: First day at work, I. I started work, I was introduced to the manager there and also I was given a form to join the union on my very first day at work.
7: It was so exciting because I'd never been inside a newspaper office before and everybody was rushing around all over the place and I thought I'll never keep up with this. Um, but it was very exciting first day because it was a great big building Um, and I saw lots of journalists and lots of people in overalls rushing off to help produce the paper.
9: I was very surprised to be asked to start work at 8am because I'd been used to going to school at 9.30. I didn't understand why people wanted to start work so early. It seemed a very odd time to me.
1: I didn't do an apprenticeship. I was a... uh a machine-minder's assistant or labourer. So if you can think of a press, yeah, at one end's paper, at the other end comes out printed. Yeah, I was the person who put the the paper in, clean the machine, do the labouring. So I was a printer's labourer uh, doing the work. So the printer, his job is to make sure what comes out the end is right. That's his job. My job was to keep the machine going, keep it fed. Yeah, so I didn't do an apprenticeship. I'm an unskilled worker. Sometimes, in a day, lift 15 ton of paper. In a day, you know, not all at once, obviously. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it could be hard work, yeah.
10: I was out of work for two years, just over two years. And every six weeks, around about every six weeks, the union used to give you two weeks' work in Fleet Street on a newspaper. And then I... I was given the permanent on Mirror Group newspapers.
4: After my apprenticeship, I became a three-knife operator on a guillotine. It was called a crawls, and they used to call me the rebel with the crawls. As I was a guillotine cutter, I was a folding hand. You know, I was was a, a master finisher. You know, I ran folding machines, I ran cutting machines, white paper cutting where you prepared the paper for the printer. And I was a casual in Fleet Street on all the different newspapers. We used to get our call at one o'clock and they'd say, right, you're on the Telegraph tonight or you're on the Daily Mirror, you're on the Express, you're on another newspaper. There was all the different newspapers employing all the men at night. And I did that.
0: As opposed to your normal job, you was allowed to work weekends on national newspapers. And that is how you normally got into a national newspaper,
2: by working weekend shifts, as they used to call it, casual work. It was quite a monotonous job. It, it was quite boring to um, do setting. You had a, a stick and you were finding the letters and, uh, and then when you'd finished you had to put them all back in the same places that you got them from. Uh, it was dirty. Your, your hands would be black, but you'd have to wash wash it all off because it was lead. And if you got it in your mouth, it was poisonous. So you had to be very careful. The
11: sun was like coming into a different world. You had a big linotype section with 48 operators in it, which set everything you see in the paper. Um, and We were called inkies because the ink gradually move from your hands up your arms because you'd be leaning on these huge pages because you couldn't reach the bottom without leaning on them so you got ink up there as well Um, quite messy quite messy
9: main job was um, i was in a flat shop what they call flat shop and we done the folding cutting and all that because the Waterloo's produced all those banknotes for the new African countries. And then suddenly they say, he's been toppled and we've we got lorry loads of money. <laughs> not, not with the president has just been shot. <laughs> You've got to change every one of them. And, and, and so...
12: My job involved folding, but folding, you had sheets of paper and you had to fold it down 16 folds, eight page, four folds down to a single fold. Uh, that was one. We made books, sewing, hand-sewed the books, binding. Um, ruling machines where you've got all those lines, the red ink and the blue ink, and you hand-fed for hours on end, boring. Hours on end, hand-feeding these sheets into a ruling machine very very boring. You only got paid for the work that you did so you had to be fast if you were going to earn any reasonable money and you were paid by the thousand. So if it was a one-fold it would be sixpence a thousand. Depending on the difficulty of the job the higher rate for the thousand that you got.
6: Mainly what we had to do as a sub-editor was cut write headlines, take stories that other people had written, cut them, fit them into the page, write headlines, write captions. I loved writing headlines. Um, I loved cutting copy, not because it was fun cutting other people's work, but because it was an art to getting stuff to fit in the page. In a sense, I've always regarded myself as a newspaper man rather than a journalist that My job was putting newspapers together, or being part of a team that put newspapers together. And the problem was that
11: because they wanted to get a large number of paper out of the buildings, it had to start being printed early. We were supposed to get it off at half past seven. In all the fifteen years I was there, I think we only did it once. Most times the editor kept it till eight. Um, which upset everybody. The foundry then had to work harder, making the flongs. That went downstairs and they were put onto machines for casting the curved plates. And the number of plates come off you would not believe. Each page had well there were forty eight units downstairs. So you had to have forty eight plates to start with. Then you ended up with half a dozen spare in each. So there was masses and the lead well the lead bowl down the stairs from which it was, It was like a swimming pool, really. It was huge very, very hot.
12: Well, I worked in lots of places. I worked at McWalkerdale's until I was 19. I then left because there was better money paid in the magazine field. I worked there until I got married. When you had to leave, they didn't employ married women. The rule was you left and left the good paid jobs for the single women. The union agreed with that. Uh, and that's the way it was. So you left when you got married.
11: Mr. Murdoch said he'd make us the best paid people in Fleet Street if we could get a million copies out a night. And during my time there, in my, still in my holiday period, we got it up to two million. And by the time I got to the end of my 15 years, we got it up to three and a third million. Now that was never been matched anywhere in the world. That was what you call good crews, loyal crews.
7: I got very much involved in the union. I became the shop steward. I was called the mother of the chapel, which meant the union representative. Um, And then in 1977, I was elected as a full-time officer of the union. So from 1977 onwards, my place of work was no longer in Fleet Street. It was at the union office, but when I became a union representative, what I didn't like was management doing nasty things to workers. Um, and sometimes management will be very unfair. And when I became first a union representative, management could be very unfair sometimes, but you will usually manage to get it sorted out. But after Rupert Murdoch took over the times, um, then things changed very dramatically. And for a very long time now for the last 30 years managements have started to get very nasty to workers so it's become a very difficult job as a union representative Mm.
3: thank you for listening to episode one of fleet street remembered The interviews were collected by children from St Matthews and St George the Martyr Primary Schools as part of a project supported by St Bride Institute and the News International Dispute Archive. Archive audio courtesy of Andy Humphreys. In episode two, we explore a typical day in the print and the atmosphere and working conditions faced by print workers. This podcast was funded by the National Lottery Heritage Fund and produced by Digital Works. To find out more about our oral history projects, films and podcasts, visit www.digital-works.co.uk where you can also view Banging Out, Fleet Street Remembered, the documentary film made as part of this project.